0: From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome to episode 160 of the
1: Killing It... Killing It podcast this is carl and i'm welcome I'm, and i'm joined uh by people who can talk dave and ryan
0: <laughs>
1: who apparently are the talkers today <laughs> hey
2: you got the best well, excuse in the world carl you are in lost wages and uh live and in person so the fact that you're vertical hey
0: that makes up for <laughs> a
1: well we're sure. recording this at like 145 so you know
0: I would <laughs> hope he's vertical well, let, <laughs> let's have, let, since, since we need to perk Carl up then what's one you need a laugh. What's your three minute website that never fails to deliver?
1: All right. So this one is not necessarily PG, but it's entitled damn you autocorrect. And we'll put the, that in the show notes. So this is where people type on their iPhones. It corrects what they want to say, which is quite relevant for today's topic. And then they, you know, say things that their family should never hear them say.
2: Yes. And, you know, even even my mother, my dear sweet mother, who wouldn't say that if she wanted to, she is the first one to reply, damn, you autocorrect, when it corrects her. So that is a very
1: relevant piece then, of reality. And now you can screenshot it and put it on this site. <laughs> nice.
0: I'll throw mine in there because it is, it is new and I'm having a blast with it. It's Web3 is going just great which is which is a tracking of all of the scams and frauds that are happening on Web3. It is a daily news source, my friends, daily, the number of scams that are happening, and it never ceases to amuse me. <laughs> no, I see the,
2: the first people to commercialize any new technology are the criminals and then the rest of us figure it out. Uh, my my site that I go to, it's one that I actually pay for a subscription to. It, it's a website called Defector.com, and uh, it, it is nominally a sports site where they talk about things that go on in all of the sporting world, but uh, it's also got culture and, and a lot of other things. I've have been a I've been a subscriber to them, well, in one form or another for more than a decade, and they still will say stuff that when, when my wife looks over at me and says, why are you giggling over there to yourself? 99% of the time it's because I just read something in one of the comment sections that made me uncontrollably giggle.
0: That is high endorsement that you're willing to venture into the comment section (laughs) because I avoid the comment section like the plague. Not
2: just the comment section, the comment section is actually just as entertaining as the actual content
1: oh yeah i mean that's that's sort of like the the back alley version of the internet which has always and always will be there
0: yes but often you don't want to go there <laughs> <laughs> well this week we're brought to you by our friends at linode a top infrastructure as a service provider that has resources specifically for helping msps explore the alternative cloud Discover this growing market, one of the best-kept secrets in building a scalable, thriving, modern managed service provider business. Learn about the cloud provider landscape, improving KPIs, security, and more in Linode's free ebook, The MSP's Guide to Modern Cloud Infrastructure, available now. This resource and more at linode.com slash MSP Radio. So our first topic this week I love this one because it's about language. We're referring to a Washington Post article discussing internet algospeak that is changing our language. As savvy users on the internet are trying to get around algorithmic content moderation filters, they have started renaming things. So, for example, you're unalive rather than dead. You'd refer to spicy eggplant rather than a vibrator. Or the Backstreet Boys reunion tour, Panini or Panda Express, instead of Pandemic. We are rewriting language in order to make our own speech available on content algorithmic, uh, uh, algorithms. Gents, what's your reaction to this one?
1: <laughs> well, I've always loved the evolution of language. And, you know, you just live long enough and language changes and all that happens. We tend to be in an environment in technology where new things and new ways of describing things pop up all the time, completely nonstop for decades. Um, This is the first time I know of where people intentionally say, let's develop a language that the the computers can't understand, right? Because they don't care if people, they want people to understand them. That's how they want to communicate, but they don't want to get flagged. And, you know, this is the fault of the social media. This is the fault of Facebook. You know, I say, Hey, you know, good job, thumbs up or whatever. And then they say, are you looking for funds? Do you need donors? I'm like, what the hell? You know, and not only are you in flagging everything I do, but then you're misinterpreting it. So let's, let's make it difficult on the algorithm.
2: See the, the impact of technology in every application is to accelerate things that were already there. Right, word processors didn't create typing; they just made document production radically more, uh, more efficient and and rapid. Uh, there is a phenomenon that linguists have been studying for millennia called language shift, where you go from a language, and then you get a variation and a slang that becomes a pidgin, that eventually becomes a dialect, and you will also eventually get a whole new language. It's the Tower of Babel at internet speed, right? Like this is something that's always been going on. It's just that now the people have looked around and said, oh, you think you can make a rule that will stop me from saying the things that I want to say? By the way, I think the most interesting part of this shift is that uh, I read something recently that said this particular phenomenon is why we will probably not ever achieve a general Artificial intelligence that can be smarter than humans because the one thing that that artificial intelligence cannot do is invent cultural stereotypes and language shift that people either think is funny and and latch onto or they don't think is interesting and they avoid that this is humans doing the things that humans do. It's just sneaking around the edges. And and it's, you know, we all grew up speaking pig Latin because that was a way we could say stuff that our moms couldn't understand. Guess what? This is pig Latin at internet speed.
0: So it's interesting. One of the things that I think about for myself, which I, I struggle with, is I come from this sort of Gen X version of, I write still in complete sentences. I text in complete sentences. I email in complete sentences. I don't play language games this way. In term, as a general rule, I don't. I don't play languages this way, and I never have. Like I've always been someone that communicates in and takes pride in the the, the articulation of thought and the use of language. I don't mind saying I will use cleverness, right, in the way a uh, to try and write smart or deliver something in a in a thoughtful way. But I, I'm not one of these people that I don't write in slang. I don't abbreviate in text. I spell out Y O U rather than write you, like all of those little things. And so, but I at the same time I am in completely fascinated by the way, as as sort of we've alluded to, that culture changes language over time. That's not to say like I do adapt my language to the the times but i don't play these games i hold a certain old school thinking here that good content gets found by the right people in the right ways and i'm not gonna play games to get around algorithms because if i'm delivering something of value i believe it will get found right i i I have this Classic notion to it. Now that probably defeats me at times, right? That uh, in short-term engagements it defeats me, but I do think I win long-term. I think because when your voice is consistent and developed and reliable, that's an asset. And I and I I question a little bit the people's willingness to change all of this when there is value in consistency.
1: I would say that you are hundred percent correct. I'm kind of like you, like it it just irritated me when I got a phone that corrected Y O U to just the letter U. And I'm like, okay, I got to turn that off. Like whatever's going on here has to go away. But uh, there's also the fact that the conversation you want to have is above the fold. It is the headline. It is the important stuff. And, the comments section, the, the news groups of old, have always been an alternative view of what goes on on the internet. And I, I do have to say, I applaud the cleverness of not just coming up with an alternate word, but many of these words by themselves, when you read them, you're like, that's pretty funny, right? <laughs> like somebody, some group of people got this new consciousness and said, let's play this game. now. It, it'll be a fad and it'll disappear, but some remnant of it will continue and will work its way into... And see,
2: as, as a long-time grammar nudge, I am the very first person to correct you on spelling and punctuation and whatever. And, and like you, Dave, I still text in full sentences with actual punctuation and proper grammar, right? I still do that and it drives my children insane because that's uh, that's certainly not the way they grew up using this stuff. But even though that's my way, like I love word games and I will say that that's always a way to exercise the intellect and find a different way to do it. Um, any good Scrabble player can tell you that for every word where you can max out your tray and use everything on the biggest, baddest word you've ever found, the most important thing is to remember that cat in Scrabble can be also spelled Q-A-T because you got to get rid of that Q somehow late in the game in a short word, damn it. And uh, and that's the thing, right? We live in a world where you can play games with language. If you want to try a fun one, Dave, one that I did at conferences for a couple of years, when you're giving a speech, when you're doing something that you think is important to your audience, challenge yourself to do that presentation with only one-syllable word. See if you can actually get through an entire presentation and never say any word that takes more than one beat. It can be done. And it requires your brain. It, it, it'll sprain you Brian, your brain. And I throat. can make it, any it's...
0: word then have weird beats.
2: <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right. All right. Let's switch to our second topic, sirs, and, and this, speaking of the way that the internet accelerates things in the, in the real world, um, Microsoft recently did a study that we're going to link to via The Atlantic that shows that there is what they refer to now a third peak in the working day. And specifically what they're referring to is a study where they went out and tracked, you got to love the euphemism here, keyboard events meaning times when people were sitting at their computer and actually doing work sending email working on a document and they track when this stuff happens right you and i and everybody else we don't tend to work at two o'clock in the morning not at six o'clock in the morning a little bit at seven but you know naturally we get up going in the morning it goes down at lunchtime it comes back up in the afternoon microsoft identified a third peak after dinner time, when people have put the kids to bed and now they're going back to their computer to do a little bit of work. Now, on one side, my observation is that's evil and dark and employers need to knock that shit off. On on the other side of it, I'm thinking, hey, this is the real world and we work when we want to so that we can go and do other stuff in the middle of the day. I'd love to hear your perspective, especially you, Carl, and then Dave, as you're tracking this stuff, Do you think this is a temporary phenomenon or
1: is this a good thing or a bad thing in the world? Well, so you the three of us have always worked on the splittiest split schedule available, right? Like we will travel someplace, record a podcast, have a meeting, go to the beach, have dinner, you know, get on a quick call, respond to some email, right? I mean... That has been our life, literally, I think, all three of us for at least 15 or 20 years. And the rest of the world is catching up to us. And, you know, I have to say, even if you're on vacation and you think, if I check my email twice a day and it relieves all my stress, I'm cool with that, right? Um, And I think in the workday, like with the way I manage, 100% of my employees are remote. I want to know about results. And if results come... After dinner, after the kids are in bed, after you put your feet up and, and had a glass of wine, as long as it's good results, that's what matters. And to the to the extent that that's the way the workplace is merging or evolving, I think it's a good thing. And I would just, as a side note, applaud once again Microsoft for doing this amazing research.
0: So I'm going to weigh in with with kind of a dual perspective on this because. Uh, I th- I'm very intrigued, and anybody who listens to Business Tech, no, I'm fascinated by this idea of asynchronous work and allowing workers to have flexibility. And Carl's right, like I I freely admit, like I'm I'm the guy now, particularly these days, who will make a decision of like, oh, the weather's nice in the afternoon, I'm going for a bike ride. Then I'm going to move my day around so that I can have some. Tea. And yeah, I'll catch up a little bit at the end of the day. There'll be some after dinner stuff. Uh, you know, like, I'll I'll move things around to make, to fill in the, the day that I want to. That's because I'm empowered, particularly as a sole business owner or, or the business owner, to be able to do that. Where I worry is that the situation can be more insidious when it's a pressure to deliver, an implied pressure, or the boundaries are not maintained well. Uh, from that support person, I'm with Carl on the idea of the fact that sometimes I will choose to to engage on something from a you know when I'm vacationing because I know it will make it actually helps my mental state to clear that and know that it's not out there. But at the same time there's research that says that you do actually need disconnection in order to wind down and be good about it. And when it, when I'm in control of it, that's one thing, but if there's a pressure from the from work that you feel like you must do that based on the employer, that's a much more insidious side and and I worry about organizations that are not nearly as sophisticated on this and are very much measuring time versus results. And we have a lot of organizations still in that world. Uh, I highlight this for two reasons. First off, I always think there is room for organizations right now to be agile, adapt, and, a, and, and invest here and be really good at it. I also think there's opportunity to teach Right around how to be good at this, and that's by sort of two areas why I think you can pull ahead competitively by being good at it. But it has to be deliberate. It does not happen by accident. And in fact, by accident, the bad things will all happen because that's where bad managers flow in. And Ryan, I know you've got like tons of thoughts on bad. Anytime I bring up bad managers,
2: <laughs> yep. And and see, this is the thing. Here we <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. You, you have hit it on the head, Dave. This is a skill in the working world. And Carl, you're right. I think it's been 22 and a half, 23 years now since I worked full time in an office, right? I've been here, there, and anywhere on purpose for more than two decades. And it is a skill. You can get anything done when you want to. And one of my main takeaways in this new world of working is that time zones are voluntary right within the the physical limitations of your circadian rhythm uh i am talking to you guys today from the beautiful island of maui hawaii and i did a phone call with a client this morning at 4am local time was that fun no the alarm went off and it felt like a gunshot a little bit right like that was that was not fun but i did it and i'll take a nap a little bit later because that works in my world to adjust my working style I learned how to do it a long time ago. I do it well. If you are a manager who sends an email at eight o'clock at night and gets angry at your people because they didn't respond to it the next day, you are the dark side of this issue. It's voluntary, right? You can choose to build a culture where people want to work when they need to work and where they choose to get things done. The, The only acronym that I've really latched onto in the last two and a half years, because it's a a cleaner way to explain what it is that I'm trying to explain, is the topic of R-O-W-E, results only work environment. Stop tracking time. Stop tracking whether people are busy at the times you think they used to need to be busy at. Embrace the new reality that says, guys, You could do this later on this evening if you need to go get a haircut, and that's totally fine. If your kids have an activity, if you want to go to the beach, knock yourself out and do that thing, and then come back in and do the work when it needs to get done, because if we all agree on a deadline that is reasonable and appropriate, and I hit your deadline, do you care if I worked at 8 a.m. or at 10 p.m.? You don't care. And quite frankly, you don't get to lecture
0: me. I'd be – this is the rare time I actually want to read a a paragraph from it. The final paragraph on this is we need a deeper theory of work and time. When we say that meeting should have been an email, we're not just saying my boss won't stop talking. We're also saying I think the information from that synchronous event would have been more productively shared as an asynchronous communication so that an hour of necessary work wasn't shifted later into the workday. Our late night mini work days are not just an expression of benign flexibility. There's also the consequence of inflexible managers filling the day with so many meetings that we have to add a work night to do our job. That is what you take away from this. That is the piece that you need to to internalize and recognize from my advice to you is, is the organizations that get good at doing this are going to outperform those that are bad will have difficult hiring, will have bad cultures, and are going to struggle over the next two to three years.
2: Yep. And, and see, right, there, right there's the upshot. The real meaningful bit of all of this is it's not just a quirk. It's not a personality. It's not an individual adjustment to work around one person's thing. This is competitive advantage and the essence of commercial capitalist adaptation. That's what we have to embrace. We're not doing this because it's fun or not fun. We're looking at this from a, hey, every hiring manager in the world right now says that recruiting is difficult. It is. Imagine how much easier it would be if you embraced flexibility. That is where we need to go. It's not just an individual quirk. This is a new front
1: in competitive reality. Great. Topic number three today is about uh, kind of an after effect of the war in Russia and Ukraine. It turns out technology people who live in a global economy are leaving Russia. There are certain countries that they, they can't fly to the West, but they can go to certain countries without a visa. And they are moving there by the thousands. It's estimated between 70 and 100,000 technical people, technicians, programmers, have left Russia and will never return, apparently. And so this is huge because it's huge for the global economy. It's f- huge for our industry. It's We don't even know what the effects are going to be on wages and the cost of production and all kinds of other stuff. But it's a very interesting after effect. And uh, I will be very impressed with uh, you know the final numbers, but I'm looking forward to finally figuring out what effect does this have on us long term?
0: well welcome to globalization right as as uh markets come together and connect there are so many new interdependencies uh this is what happens i i will say with a with a with a you know unfortunate sort of nod is is that you know, i'm a, i'm a retro gamer a lot of people know that there's specific hardware that's being constructed right now for those of us in the retro gaming world that comes out of ukraine there's some developers that had some really interesting breakthroughs in some of the retro gear. oh that supply chain's done right now. you cannot get that gear, and that entire little little, little the small market has all acknowledged, oh yeah, we're just waiting like we have to wait now uh this is this is really interesting. there's a lot of technical capability that comes out of of Eastern Europe out of the ukraine uh to, you know very- adv- advanced from a technology and programming perspective. Uh, we have to recognize that this is going to have that shift. I am le- slightly less convinced it's permanent, um, particularly based on the fact that I think Ukrainian identity has gotten much stronger based on on what's going on right now. So I'm not necessarily willing to sign off and say, oh, yeah, it's permanent. Uh, that may not be the case. Uh, but. The flip side of that is, is until we get a clear sense from the West of what our investment will be in rebuilding post all of this, it, there is a lot of uncertainty here. So so when, when we talk supply chain risks, here's your new one for 20 did Was it on your 2022 bingo card? Probably not. Uh, but this is a new one.
2: Well, and and the most important tactical lesson of globalization is that just because you do not go to a place does not mean you don't depend on the productivity of that place, right? The, the The world of outsourcing and offshoring has gone through ups and downs over the last few decades, and it has been historically focused on India, on the on Asia Pacific regions. And um, there have been many very well documented business models that are designed around that kind of uh, of Of arbitrage of labor from a different location in the world. Um, I can vouch from personal experience that Eastern Europe has been the rapidly growing area of offshoring in application development, in software engineering, in technical support, in a lot of really advanced areas for more than five years. This has been a very aggressive growth economy over there, and tremendous advanced capabilities are coming out of Ukraine. I think to really put this down to uh, to a point, however, There will be two effects. One will be a temporary disruption of what happens in Ukraine because that economy and that culture will come back once this war finally ends and people can begin to get back to just rebuilding basic infrastructure like buildings and roads, not to mention internet connections. That will come back because it is mature, it is robust, and it is very well respected. The permanent implication is going to be on the part that Carl started with the people leaving Russia to go work someplace else, they're not going to go back. Not A, because they've recognized the volatility of their employment situation, and B, because if you choose to lo- leave right now and go do your work someplace else, right, you're not going to be allowed well, and, to go back in and get a job again.
1: Right. And and that that's the part I wanted to focus on is that these people... A lot of these people, so I I worked for a company many, many years ago that hired people from other countries, and they were able to hire programmers from other countries because (laughs) programming languages are written in English. So a lot of these people literally learned English by learning how to program and then figuring out how to say all these words and you know reading the instructions and so forth. And they live, technical people in Russia live in a global economy, and no matter what happens in Russia... They literally understand more than most people in the world what it means to live and thrive in a global economy. And we've talked about, you know, the splinter net and will it be three splinters or two splinters or whatever. But there is a certain element that will never be split. And there will always be the resource of people who need to hire and people who need to be hired. And those people can go anywhere if they need to be hired.
2: Yep. And see, this is the thing. To your point, Carl, Python and Django and C-sharp, our languages and, and they are they are the language of technology that can rightfully be sourced from anywhere and delivered to everywhere. But if you have not yet felt the disruption of supply chain and or outsourcing functions that have previously been based in Russia, uh, see, when we look at the, the vendor side of our business in the last 10 years, I, I would think to a person Every one of the businesses that we have worked with would report that the fastest growing country market for their software sales in the last decade has been Russia, right? It, it started in certain cases off of a very small basis and it's, and it's grown radically, but very large vendors have had very significant growth across the, the Russian uh, adoption curve, right? Tons of business that's getting done over there And it just literally got turned off like a faucet. And so this is going to have some really important ripple effects, but the most important effects are going to be on people who, you know what, they thought they had a permanent career opportunity in the world because they were based in Russia. And that was a fantastic onboarding place. And those humans are are going to be shared casualties of of this uh, of this war and it's their own country doing it to them
0: and that's so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw a wrinkle on this because i want to want to uh, a thought that i'm not sure where it entirely goes is this idea of look there are so many of these smart programmers in russia uh some of them work for ransomware organizations uh one of the things that, that will right well th- and that's that's where it will be very very interesting to to see because two things are going to be true the first is is that the dynamics and profitability of ransomware have not changed yet. But the second will be is perhaps the talent pool will change under a regime that is that is willing to protect it, right? If you if you're the money's there but you don't have the people there to deploy it, it will be interesting to see what that change will be on the other side. Does that activity migrate to China? Does it migrate to North Korea? Some other country that's willing to protect it for the revenue side of things will activity change? Will it? Will those people who have been profitable decide to set up their their organizations elsewhere? And do, there, there's a lot here that will be a dynamic yeah. of unknown that will be interesting yeah, to track. Yeah, and, and I think over one time. of the things that's going to happen is a lot of these people, are, you know, who, most
1: of them are legit, but those who are not legit. I think you're going to take these amazing brain resources and put them into some really cool new stuff, right, which is good. Another thing that's going to come out of this is a change of the power base of Eastern Europe, because if most of these folks end up in Eastern Europe, they will, as a collective, be brainier and farther ahead of Russia than, you know, what the infrastructure is today. And I, I think the balance of power has moved from Russia to Eastern Europe in terms of the, the technology and the, the brilliant infrastructure of the humans who are providing all the ideas for the next 25 years sadly we are out of time but let's just you know acknowledge another round number this has been episode 160
0: of the Killing It Killing it! Podcast Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It Podcast Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.